That's what we're about this morning, all hailing King Jesus. Man, we're not about a person here. We're not about a, uh, a religion here. We're not about um, a preacher here. Man, if you came to church for Dustin this morning, the rain should have been too much. It should have kept you at home. But if you came for Jesus, He's worth it, man. And we're here to just all, all pour out at His feet. All hail King Jesus. And I'm so thankful that you woke up this morning and you looked outside maybe and you saw some rain coming and you said, I'm going to go worship today because He is worthy. We're glad you're here. This morning we're going to continue our walk through the book of Galatians if you want to turn to Galatians 6, we're going, to, we're going to kick that off this morning. And the title of the message is Free, or the title of the series is Free. We've been walking through Galatians for a while now. I can't even remember how long. Uh, but the title is Free to Be Family. Uh, this is probably a part one message. We will probably call next week Free to Be Family also. But... Galatians chapter 6 is what it looks like when you are involved in His family. This is life together in His family. Okay? This is, this is probably not the best thing for a pastor to admit, but that's okay. Um, we're not trying to impress anybody here today, are we? We're just, we're just here for Jesus. Uh, I, one of the things, I, I really love sports, and one of the things I like the most about it is the trash talk that surrounds it. Like, I love the trash talk that surrounds it. You know, Alabama's just been lucky for the past 15 years, right? <laughs> right? We got some Alabama fans over here. Uh, they've just gotten lucky for like 20 years against Arkansas. But um, I love the trash talk. And I really love it when there's trash talk and you can back it up, which is tough on an Arkansas fan. Uh, so you kind of learn to like joke your way out of the trash talk after you lose. But what's, what's worse, what's, what's really bad about trash talk is when you trash talk and you, you get that tail whipped. You know what I mean? That's rough. That's one of the things I liked about Jordan. Like I will lay at night and lay, lay in bed at night. I'll lay at night. I'll lay in bed at night. And I'll watch YouTube videos of people trash talking to Michael Jordan, and like that was the end of the game. You would trash talk to Michael Jordan, he was having an off night, and somebody would trash talk to him, and dude dropped 40 right there, and they won. Like he was notorious for that. If you trash talk him, you're fixing to lose. And I love that about Jordan. I also, uh, maybe not Muhammad Ali as a person. But I like, Muhammad Ali tickles me. Like, I, I like to hear him talk trash. And most of the time, he could back it up. I mean, he would talk trash, and then he would smoke you. He would fly like a bumblebee and sting like a, fly like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Uh, he was a lot better at it than I am. Um, but one day, Ali got on a plane. And it was time to take off in the plane. And he was sitting in his seat. I just read this story the other day. I love it that he was sitting in his seat, uh, the plane's fixing to take off, and the, the little stewardess lady comes by and she says, Sir, we're about to take off, will you please buckle your seatbelt? And he pops off at her 
and says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looks back at him and she says, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> she smoked him and I love it. Is that not awesome? I love it. Sometimes we might think that we're like the Superman of Christians. Or maybe we're past a point of need for what the Scripture teaches sometimes. But there are no super Christians. Do you know that? When the Scripture says we need something, we need it. There are no super Christians that are above what the Scripture teaches. There are no super Christians that are above needing one another. This morning, y'all, we have put our sign-up sheets for our, our new life groups that are resetting and they're beginning uh, next Sunday, the week of next Sunday. And whether you think so or not, whether you think you can do this whole Christian life thing alone or not, um, if you think that, you're wrong. You, you need a small group of believers. There are things that can happen in here. That's, that's why we meet in here. That's why we worship together. There are things that are supposed to happen in the family room as we worship Jesus as a large, in a large group setting. But there are things that can only happen in your walk with the Lord in a small group of believers. And you need that. I want to ask you to sign up for, for one of these groups, and, and we'll talk more about that later, but, but it's a big deal. And the Scripture teaches that it's a big deal, and you need this. There's some more things that are important. Galatians chapter 6, we'll start reading it together. Brothers and sisters, stop right there. I grew up in a, I grew up in a church culture um, that the word brother was a title of a person in the church that deserved respect. Okay, so we would call our pastor Brother um, brother Dustin. We would call a lady that was, had been serving the church for a long time Sister So-and-So. And I'm not, I'm not preaching against that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But I want you to hear me say this too. That's, that's not the intention of the Scripture. When Paul said brothers and sisters, he meant it as brothers and sisters. He wasn't saying, man, you should use this title for the preacher. He was saying, if you have trusted Jesus, and I have trusted Jesus, we are for real family. Not even brothers in Christ with a asterisk on it, or whatever these things are. Quotes, thank you, sister. Sister. Not, not, even, not even that. It, it wasn't a formal thing. He, he believed, Paul believed, that the other people who had trusted Jesus with their souls were His family. And friend, if, if you've trusted Jesus and I've trusted Jesus, it means we're for real family. Even, even more than our biology tells us. 
Do you know that? What's more real, spiritual things or biology? Spiritual things. What Jesus has done on the cross has made our spiritual relationship more important than any other relationship in the world. Do you remember that time Jesus was preaching and somebody ran up to Him and he said, and they said, Hey, your, your mother and your brother's outside. And He said, Who are my mother and who, who is my mother and who are my brothers? They're those who hear the will of God and do it. He was saying, The people who are in me are closer to what it means to me to be my mother and my brother than anybody else in this world. Jesus believed it, so it's true. If you've trusted Christ, you're my brother, you're my sister. No less than that. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. This verse is, is a, it's a tough verse, and it's something that we, we really need to study. Who, who's, whose Bible says if someone is caught in a wrongdoing? Not overtaken. Mine says overtaken, but who says caught? You got that? That's, that's probably a better word, caught in a wrongdoing. But it, it can still be misunderstood. What this does not mean is we have become spiritual police for one another. It, it doesn't mean, um, hey, we're, we're looking, I'm inspecting your life, and I'm like, ha, caught you. You're sinning. That's, that's not what this is. We don't catch one. We don't, we don't have to go looking for sin. You hear me? Sin has already found us. All of us. Every single... We're not the spiritual police. We're not investigating one another's lives. We're not catching people. But what it does mean is that sin is sneaky. And that's our first observation this morning. Sin is sneaky. When we were on the farm, we had a, or when I was farming, we had trouble with beavers. And um, this is, they would, they would dam up stuff and backwater up on our crops and drown it, if you don't know what I mean. Like they didn't chase us or anything, but they would damage our crops. If they did, I would run. But this is this is this is what we use to catch them with. It's a kind of bear trap, and and when it's when it's set, there's a little wire right here. Y'all see that wire? I hope it's not set right now. Um, but no, it's not. But uh, they would trip that wire, and this would close on their head, and the beaver's done. No more beaver. But like when we were setting this kind of bear trap, we didn't, we didn't go out there and be like, oh, there's a beaver out here damaging our crop. Let's set a kind of bear trap. That's a good spot. Maybe he'll step in it. You know what I mean? Because he's not going to go over there and step in it. What we did is we would look for the natural path of the beaver and you could see where they had made slides in a in a in a levee or whatever, they had slid over and their bellies had rubbed the mud and made it slick. I would have made a good beaver. But anyways, they, they, their bellies had slicked off the mud and it had made a spot. 
And we would settle this trap like, like right under the water and set it up like right under the water and we would wash our hands to keep the smell off. And um, we did some other stuff that I'm not going to tell you about because I don't know if it's legal. But um, we didn't just throw the trap down. We looked at where the beaver most likely would go and that's where we set the trap to kill him. And we are dealing with an enemy that looks at our lives and he doesn't say, mm, that's a good spot. I'll put it right there. He says, where can I catch him? Where can I catch her? It's, it's, not, it's not this cartoon deal where there's a pretty little dressed up white Dustin on my right shoulder and an ugly red cartoon devil on my left shoulder and he's saying, you should lust after that woman. No, you shouldn't, Dustin. Yes, you should, Dustin. No, you should. That, that's not the reality of who we're dealing with. He is trying to kill you by trapping you. Sin is sneaky. And this word caught is what happened to that beaver when he stuck his head in that trap. He was caught. What's the context of this book? Do you remember the context? This, this book is written to who? The church in where? By who? Paul. And they were being tricked by a group of people named the... Gotcha. Judaizers. And they were saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. It was a trap. It was a trap. Do you think that the Galatian believers were actually saying, when, when, they, when they were sinning by following this false teaching, do you think they were actually saying, I hate you, God. I don't want to follow you anymore, God. Or were they saying, hey, this te new teaching's coming along that, that I think might add to my walk with Jesus. The enemy was trapping them. They thought they were taking steps in their walk with God when they were walking away from Him actually. This is how our enemy works. He doesn't lay it out all the time in temptation where he, he says this is clear evil and this is clear good. He sneaks traps in our lives. Paul had planted this church. He had started this church in Galatia. If I can dig my pen out. Oh, this is awkward. Alright. Paul had planted... This church in Galatia, Galatia, can y'all see that? And Paul had Paul had planted it, and here's Jesus. This is just great. Judaizers, close enough, and he had said, guys. Run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. And the enemy didn't say, run to the Judaizers, run to the Judaizers. He, he guided them, and then he kicked them off to the Judaizers. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it was this, in this sense, it was a slow move to false belief. And they weren't saying, we hate you, God. They were saying, I'm trying to follow you, God. But it was still sin when they said, there's something else I need besides King Jesus. And friend, just because you have believed something wrong innocently does not mean you're innocent. It is sinful. It is a trick, a snare of the enemy. And these people were caught. But not like, ha ha ha, we caught you around the corner sinning. They were caught in a snare, a trap of the enemy. Paul moves on and he starts talking about the restorer. Because that's life in the family, right? When we see a family member who has moved away from correct teaching, a brother or sister, a, a real brother or sister, goes to guide them back into right thinking, right? If your family member, if your biological brother or sister, do you care about what they think, what they believe? I do. I care about what you think, what you believe. We need to be restores, but but Paul starts moving on to what the restorer should do. And the first thing is he says the restorer needs to be spiritual. This doesn't mean that he needs to be an elder or a pastor or a deacon or a uh, life group leader, life group host. That's, that's not what it means. But it does mean something. It also doesn't mean that just any old body needs to be going to somebody and correcting them. You with me? It's saying those who are spiritual. What does that mean? What, have we, what did we talk about last week? Somebody got hit with an apple. Spiritual fruit. Those who are spiritual. Those producing fruit. Those who have surrendered to the Spirit of God. Those who are walking in the Spirit. Friend, if you are not walking in the Spirit... You are not trustworthy to correct somebody else. Why? Because that's when, that's when bad motives get involved. That's when our cliques get involved. That's when our, our wrong thinking gets involved. It, it, not, not everybody is right to go put somebody else in check. You better be walking in the Spirit and producing fruit that only Christ can produce or you've got no business going to correct somebody else. You ever been corrected by somebody that didn't have no business correcting you? <laughs> you want to say, let me talk to you about something. Those who are spiritual. The restorer needs to be spiritual. He needs to be walking in the Spirit. Not everybody has business correcting others. What's the second thing he says? He needs to be gentle. Why do you think why do you think we need to be gentle? When we're correcting, when we're restoring, why do you think we need to be gentle? You can talk to me. Say it louder. So that they listen. So you don't what? Wound them even more. 
You know, believers are the world's worst at shooting their own. I, oh man, you're struggling. Let me kick you in the teeth. Huh? Eating your own young. Brett, that's your mama. Sound like she might have had that thought. <laughs> You're not gentle. You might store up a stir up a hornet's nest. Yeah. What did you say, Joe? So that they listen. Don't you love it when somebody throws a Bible at you when you're struggling? That's right. That's right. The goal in this is to restore. Or the corrector would not be a restorer, he would be a corrector. The goal is always restoration. And, and for real redemption and real restoration to happen, we have to have gentleness in our soul. We have to have kindness in our soul. It is not about being right. It is not about uh, winning an argument. It's about restoring a brother or sister. Everything else has to answer to restoration. Rightness has to answer to restoration. Correctness has to answer to restoration. What other people think has to answer to restoration. It's all about redemption with a family member. The next thing is the restorer needs to be careful. Why do you think we need to be careful? You might get pulled in yourself. You might get caught too. Is it possible that you might be caught right now? Do you listen to me? Now, now I want you to listen to me rightly. Do you do you think it's possible for you to be trying your best, striving to honor Jesus with your life right now? And and at the same time, listen to me. At the same time, believing something that is not correct in your walk. Do you think that's possible for everybody in this room? That you might be striving to follow Jesus, but you're missing something. You better believe it's right for every single one of us. That's why he's saying, friend, when you restore, you better be careful. You better, you better approach this with humility because you might be wrong about something yourself. Your leg might be in a trap at the same time. We don't go with pride. We don't go with ego and address somebody. We go with humility knowing that we are as broken as anybody. You better be spiritual. You better be gentle. And you better be careful. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You know that? We should do it. Paul teaches us to do it. He teaches us to do it right. Second thing I want us to see in this Scripture is uh, Paul calls on us to own our own loads and carry one another's burdens. 
Let's keep reading. Verse 2. Carry one another's burdens. In this, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Now I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Verses 3 and 4 fit together. And I'm not sure that I understand them enough. I have studied these verses this week, but I'm not sure I understand them enough to preach them with authority this morning. Uh, I never got real clarity on verses 3 and 4. So I'm not going to preach them with authority today. It says what it says. Um, obvious one thing from that is don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But God never really revealed anything to me in that that I could really get up here with thunder and say, this is what this means. I did not understand verse 4. I'm still working on it. Is it okay for me to not be God? Okay, good. Um, but verses 2 and 5. Check them out one more time. Carry one another's burdens. Stop right there. Carry one another's burdens. That's what the Scripture says. Now skip to verse 5. For each person will have to carry his own load. Does that not sound contradictory? Does that not sound like God is saying, carry your own burdens, or, or carry one another's burdens, but carry your own load? Is that not weird? To me, when I read that, that jumped out at me like, what is that, what is that about? And it's, it's real clear when you study it, it's two different words. The word burden and the word load are two different words. And this is where... Like the old understanding of words helps us understand. Um, burden was a crushing load placed on a donkey that, that nobody could bear by themselves. And the word load was like a backpack that you carry. Two different, completely different words. One's a crushing load that lands on somebody. One's like a backpack that you would carry a laptop in. So, maybe not then, but... So, one of them means an unbearable amount of stuff that we should bear, that we should bear with somebody. I see somebody crushed under a burden, so I go and I help pick it up. And then there's this deal where you really need to carry your own backpack. In our world, there are people who think everything's a burden. It's funny because it's true. Like, I need to involve you in everything that's going on in my life. And there's people that think everything in life is a load, and they won't call you for anything that happens in their life. They're carrying stuff that the Scripture is saying, call on the family to help you carry. And they're carrying stuff by themselves that they weren't meant to carry by themselves. And then there are these people over here who thinks everything's a burden, and they're eating up the life of the church because they can't do nothing on themselves for, for themselves. And Paul is clarifying that the family is about discerning what is a burden 
And what is a load? Did you know we're not required to carry everything for everybody? Man, that freed me up this week. I'm just, I'm just going to be real honest with you. That freed me up this week. There are some things that, that as a child of God, as a believer, I need to jump into and help pick up. And there are some things I ain't got no business getting involved with. That's their load. I want, I want, you to help, I, I want us to think about this. And I want you to tell me if these things are, are a burden or a load. A person has, has lost a family member and they're charged with grief. Burden. The family needs to jump in and help pick up the load real quick. I need you to call me on Monday morning because I know I'm going to be playing video games all night at 36 years old and I'm going to need somebody to wake me up in the morning. Man, get yourself out of bed. We ain't got no business getting in that. You're not responsible for that. Did you know you're actually hurting that person? It is, it is Christ-like to not jump into that. It is Christ-like to say, brother, I'm, I'm going to need you to set your own alarm. I'm going to need you to go to bed. Put Fortnite down. Is that still going on? Is Fortnite the thing now or has it moved on? An elderly person has, has fallen and broken something and they can't, they can't get their yard work done they can't, and they don't have any family in town. Burden. Family of God, jump into that. I work 14 hours a day and my kid's playing baseball and I can't get him to baseball. Can you take my kid to baseball practice every single time there's practice? That's a load. It's a load of something. You get off work and take your own kid to baseball practice. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are not responsible to just bear anything and everything that comes along in the family of God. And y'all, we have to be the ones that discern it because sometimes the people in the middle of it can't. If you are a teacher, if you are a counselor, if, if you're somebody like that, in the room, if you're a boss, there are people that, that are going to come to you and overwhelm you with everything going on in their lives. And you, you have to discern that sometimes and say, man, that's a... I'm, I'm going to need you to take care of that. Or, hey man, we're fixing to pick it up. We're going to be right there for you. We're going to walk with you every step of the way. But you have to be able to discern a burden and a load. And you have to see it as being right for the other person. Not just right for you. You can't do it on your own. I mean, if you, if you take up everybody's burdens, it'll kill you. But you also have to say, man, this is good for you. It's not just good for me to carry your own load. Two applications this morning. Be a part of a life group's the first one. Um, you may be thinking, Dustin, you're saying that every week, and, and I am because I believe it is so important. 
what happens, what, what can happen in a life group that can't happen in this setting this morning is us being able to discern things that are going on in somebody's life that needs to be corrected. You know, from this stage, I don't, I don't have the power of God to look into your soul and see what you're struggling with. But when you get involved with a small group of people, those things come out. They come out and they, they, they need to be corrected. And sometimes you're going to need to be corrected and sometimes you're going to need to be the corrector. But we all need a small group. We all need a life group. I'm begging you to please sign up for a life group. Please be involved. Please be part of it. Don't, don't, don't be scared of the correction. Listen to me. If I, if I am serious about my walk with the Lord Jesus, correction is not bad. I want to be corrected. I want to be right. Correction is not bad if I'm serious about my walk with the Lord. Correction is bad when I'm serious about my pride. Correction is bad when I'm serious about what other people think of me. Please be part of a life group. Remember Ali. No superhero Christians. Number two. Be alert to the burdens, burdens of others and carry our own loads. Y'all, sometimes we walk through life and we never recognize when somebody else is hurting. And as believers, we need, we need to be alert to that. We need to be looking for that. We need to be looking for family members who are hurting and we need to help them. At the same time, we need to be carrying our own stuff that we're supposed to carry by ourselves. And y'all, this can even flow into our walk with the Lord Jesus. There is a part of your walk with the Lord Jesus that the church is responsible for, and there is a part of your walk with the Lord Jesus that you're responsible for. I cannot make you read your Bible. You have to own that. I can't make you pray. I can't make you do the things the Scripture teaches. You have to carry that load. There are things that the church should do that foster your walk with the Lord Jesus, and that's the burden part of it. But there is a load that you have to carry on your own. I can't make you say yes to Jesus when He's calling on you for salvation. You have to do that. Man, I wish I could. I wish I could help you understand how good it was, how good it is to follow Jesus with your life. But I can't. That's on you. Why do I why do I think this this whole thing is so important? Why do why do I care about living as family? Why do I why do I think Paul cares about living as family when Jesus has saved us. When, when we live as family, when we, when we bear one another's burdens, when we carry our own loads, when we're willing to correct and when we're willing to be corrected, it preaches a message to a watching world. It, it tells the world whether we're real or not. Paul is saying is saying doing these things do these things because it leads to the evangelism of the lost it leads to your growth 
but it also leads to the evangelism of the lost. When, when, when you look across this room and you look at the diversity across this room, uh, we've got all different walks of life in here. And if, if we can figure out how to be family in this place called the Delta, the world has to take notice. There's no way around it. This morning, if you haven't trusted Jesus yet, He, he died for you on the cross. And it wasn't just to give you heaven when you died, but it's to give you life today. He talks about this eternal life, this this abundant life. And, And that doesn't seem like something you have to wait till you die to get. So this morning, I want to ask you, if you've you've never trusted Jesus before, uh, I'm I'm not asking you to trust Him so you can go to heaven when you die. I'm asking you to trust Him so that He can give you purpose today. What are you here for? You're here for this. You're here to know Jesus, to live His family in the kingdom of God and to make Him known. And He can do that in even you. If you want to trust Him this morning, uh, normally we ask people to stand up in the crowd, but this morning I'm going to ask you if you want to trust Him to step out in that lobby and visit with me. Uh, If too many people come, Kirk can come in there, somebody else can come in there, but if you need to trust Jesus, do it today. This morning we've got the baptistry set up, and I'm really stoked about what's about to happen. And I want you to notice, I, I, don't, I don't know how you think people are going to respond if you trust Jesus. And really, you don't need to do it for a boo or a hand clap, either one. You need to do it because you need Him, and He's calling you to it. But I want you to see what happens. No, nobody's going to boo when my brother's dunked. We're going to clap and cheer and celebrate, and that's the same thing we'll do for you. No matter where you come from in, in your journey, We're going to celebrate that Jesus has saved you if you trust Him this morning. Let me pray for you. If you need to trust Jesus today, you can step outside in the lobby and we'll visit. Father, we come to You this morning. I pray that that whatever I've muddied, um, You would clarify. I pray that we would be a church that is about redemption and restoration of the broken. Father, I feel like I'm the I'm the most needy today. I pray that you would speak in power to souls and and we know that 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 doesn't happen by the words of a preacher that happens through your spirit speaking uh, to the person deeply. And we will only praise You if You save someone this morning. We commit the the rest of our gathering to You. Thank You so much that, that You saved Keith. Thank You that he has a story to tell this morning. What You've done for him. Thank You for those that have come around him and just pushed him into You. Done what it, what it has taken to to push Him into you. 
Use His story to speak to others. Do more than we can ever, ever, ever even ask for. Hear our worship and be pleased. It's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.